Father. As we consider the book of Proverbs and relationship with you, we pray along with Ephesians 1 that you may give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that we would know you better. It is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In 1961, the original Six Flags opened up in Arlington for the first time. My father, mother, and I had just moved to Arlington, so we visited the park that first summer and for many summers afterward. Six Flags thrilled me. The rides, the food, the scenery. And at the end of each visit, my parents bought me a souvenir And I had so much fun choosing that treasure. Then, as soon as I turned 16 years old, I went to work for Six Flags. And I worked in the souvenir shops. So, for several summers in a row, six days a week, I punched a time clock. And I reported to duty to stock and restock, count and recount, Arrange and rearrange, price tag and dust and sell coffee mugs and keychains and t-shirts and ashtrays and jewelry and toys. The treasure became tedious. I no longer enjoyed my time at Six Flags. Probably, you can think, of people or places or things that have lost their appeal after you've dealt with them over and over again. Does this hold true in our relationship with God? Do we become bored or frustrated as we walk with him year after year? The Westminster Shorter Catechism says that our chief end, our goal in life, is to enjoy God to to glorify him and enjoy him forever. But the testimony of the Bible as a whole and the book of Proverbs specifically is that we have no ability to enjoy God. On our own, we have no access to relationship with him. Now, this word relationship does not appear in the book of Proverbs. However, Relationship with God serves as the foundation for the entire book. We see this in Proverbs 1, verse 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Commentators identify this as the keynote verse, or we could say the motto or the overarching theme for the entire book of Proverbs. And we find similar language in Proverbs 9, verse 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. Note the word knowledge in both verses. In the Bible, this word can refer to more than just knowledge of facts, like the multiplication table. It can suggest uh, personal, even intimate knowledge, like in a marriage. And when Proverbs refers to God, it almost always uses the name the Lord, 
which is the name that the Bible associates with the covenants that God has made with his people. A covenant is a type of relationship between two or more persons in which promises are made among those persons. The Lord does not stand aloof from his people watching us from a distance. Instead, in the narrative of the Bible, he pursues us with promises to take care of us. In, in covenants made to Noah and Abraham and Moses and David. And then in Jeremiah 31, the Lord makes this incredible promise. I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, I have continued my faithfulness to you. They shall all know me from the least of them to the greatest declares the Lord, for this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them, and I will write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they will be my people. For I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sin no more. In verse 3, God says that he loves us with a never-ending love, and that we will know him relationship. In verse 33, he assures his people that he will be our God and we will be his people. This is the covenant promise, a promise of relationship. But we face an insurmountable barrier to that relationship. Let's think about the implications of Proverbs 11, verses 19 and 20. Truly, the righteous attain life, but whoever pursues evil finds death. The Lord detests those whose ways, whose hearts are perverse, but delights in those whose ways are blameless. Be sure of this. The wicked will not go unpunished, but those who are righteous will go free. Here we have two kinds of people with two different outcomes. The righteous person whose ways are blameless gets life and freedom from punishment. The Lord delights in that person. The one who pursues evil, the wicked person with a perverse heart, receives the punishment of death. The Lord detests that person. So, can we conclude that in order to have a good relationship with God, we need to just try very hard to make ourselves righteous. Proverbs looks like a book of rules for good behavior. So maybe if we follow those rules, God will delight in us. Proverbs 20 verse 9 challenges that assumption. It asks, who can say, I have made myself clean from my sin? I have made my heart pure. I am clean from my sin. And Romans chapter 3 answers this question. As it is written, none is righteous. No, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Everyone sins. No one can wash away their sin. Proverbs 11 says that the, evil, the, the wicked pursue evil. And Romans 3 
says that no one seeks God. God pursues us. We pursue evil. No one enjoys God. Remember, Proverbs 9, verse 10, calls God the Holy One. Holy, separate from sin, opposed to sin, opposed to us. How did we get into this predicament? It's been this way for a long, long time. In the familiar story at the beginning of the Bible, God gave the first humans, Adam and Eve, the command, do not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But Satan tempted them to disobey in this command. And in Genesis 3, verse 5, he says, For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. You will be like God. Never mind that he created you. Never mind that command. You can take charge of your own lives. You can substitute yourself for God. And as Romans 3 tells us, every human being since Adam and Eve has been infected by that sin. This is the ultimate pandemic. Isaiah 59 verse 2 grieves the fact that your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. Sin forms the barrier between God and us. In Jeremiah 31, the Lord promised to love us. Can we as sinners hope? to enter into, even enjoy, a loving relationship with a holy God? We find glimmers of hope in the book of Proverbs. Proverbs 14, verse 27. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life that one may turn away from the snares of death. The fear of the Lord. We encountered this phrase back in the keynote verse, Proverbs 1, verse 7. So we need to pay attention to it. Somehow, this fear of the Lord frees us from death. Proverbs 3, verse 7. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Here we find hope that we can turn away from the evil that separates us from God. With the fear of the Lord, we acknowledge that our Creator knows what's best for us. And we rely on His wisdom, not on our so-called wisdom that has been informed by the lies of Satan. But how can we move from complete alienation from God to a relationship in which we rely on him? A way to this relationship has been provided for us. Proverbs 16, verse 6. By steadfast love and faithfulness, Iniquity is atoned for, and by the fear of the Lord, one turns away from evil. Again, the fear of the Lord enables us to turn away from evil, but also steadfast love atones for iniquity. In other words, it pays the penalty for our sin. Steadfast love removes the barrier between God and us. Who's steadfast love? 
We are wicked, incapable of getting rid of our sin. Whose steadfast love does this? Look at Psalm 33, verse 18. Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him, on those who hope in his steadfast love, that he may deliver their soul from death. This verse defines the fear of the Lord as placing our hope in his steadfast love to deliver us from death. We trust in his faithful love, not our efforts, to declare us righteousness. And Romans 6.23 adds some very important information. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. The wages of sin is death. This agrees with Proverbs 11, that the one who uh, is, is evil will die. But the second part of Romans 6.23 announces the reversal of the death sentence. Eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Jesus is the way to relationship with God. Read these verses from Hebrews 10. We have all been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. The Holy Spirit also testifies to us about this. First, he says, this is the covenant I will make with them after that time, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their heart and I will write them on their minds. Then he adds, their sins and lawless acts I will remember no more. Verses 16 and 17 quote from that Jeremiah 31 passage that we read earlier. The author of the book of Hebrews here explains that Jesus Christ fulfills that covenant. Jesus' death on the cross took the penalty that we earned for our sin, making relationship with God a reality. And we desperately needed Jesus to do this because all of us have tried to take charge of our own lives. We try to substitute ourselves for God. John Stott says that the essence of sin is we human beings substituting ourselves for God, while the essence of salvation is God substituting himself for us. We put ourselves where only God deserves to be. God puts himself where we deserve to be. In Matthew 27, verse 46, Jesus, hanging on the cross, cried out with a loud voice, saying, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus carried our sin to the cross, and the holy God could not look at it. Remember Isaiah 59, verse 2, and think about it in light of Jesus' substitutionary death. At the cross, our iniquities made a separation between Jesus and God. Our sin hid God's face from Jesus. In that cosmic moment, Jesus Christ lost relationship with his Father in order to bring us into relationship with him. He substituted himself for us to make payment for our sin. He also 
substituted himself for us in obedience. Consider again the theme verse, Proverbs 1, verse 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. With the fear of the Lord, we humbly submit to his wisdom and instruction. Without it, we despise his wisdom and instruction. In effect, we despise him. The fear of the Lord means that we recognize that Jesus has saved us from our hopeless situation. Therefore, in awe of God's holiness and in gratitude for what he has done for us in Christ, we turn away from the evil that opposes him. We fear the Lord by fervently, diligently, persistently seeking to learn and apply his wisdom. At the same time, we acknowledge that we do not perfectly or even well do so. Proverbs 28, verse 13. Whoever conceals his transgressions will not prosper, but he who confesses and forsakes them will obtain mercy. Blessed is the one who fears the Lord always, but whoever hardens his heart will fall into calamity. We fear the Lord by humbly confessing that we are often hard-hearted towards his wisdom. Jesus came in the flesh to live the perfectly wise life on our behalf. He is the wise person of Proverbs 11. He is the one whose ways are blameless. As Christians, we place our hope in the fact that Jesus Christ's righteousness, rather than our own, has demolished the barrier between God and us. Romans 5, verse 19. For by the one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners. So by the one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. The disobedience of the first man, Adam, infected us all with sin. Jesus' obedience heals us. As God looks at us, he sees both Jesus' death on the cross to pay the penalty for our sin, and he sees Jesus' obedience in place of our disobedience. As Jeremiah told us, the Lord remembers our sin no more. Because of Jesus, God delights in us and pours out his steadfast love. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 6. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Here's that word, knowledge, again. In Jesus Christ, we intimately know the Lord. This is a relationship that we can enjoy. This is thrilling. The beauty of the world's souvenirs eventually fades, but the beauty of Jesus Christ shines forever. To know the Lord, to fear him, to walk in relationship with him, we gaze at the face of Jesus Christ. Proverbs 19, verse 23. The fear of the Lord leads to life, and whoever has it rests satisfied. We no longer punch the time clock. 
trying to earn God's approval. If we approach the book of Proverbs as a book of rules to follow in order to make ourselves righteous, its treasure will become tedious. Instead, look for Jesus. Look for the ways in which he has followed and fulfilled the wisdom of the book of Proverbs. Remember that he has delivered us from the ways in which we fail to follow that wisdom. Jesus Christ has cleared the way for us to enjoy God forever. Grab hold of that treasure. Lord God, teach us to fear you, which is to know you. We praise and thank you for your covenant love and the gift of eternal relationship with you. In and through Christ Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen.